our gospel lesson today, which is taken from the 16th chapter of Matthew's gospel, beginning with the 13th verse. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, an important question, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he, said, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. And that term Messiah is very important. Messiah is synonymous with Christ, and it means king. So they were confessing that Jesus is the king, the son of God. This is a high point in Peter's life. But then we continue in verse 21. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Look at Peter, verse 22. He just confessed Jesus is king the Son of God. But Peter took him, that is Jesus, aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. You will never be crucified. You will never die. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, and this is what he says to us today. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. And this is the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you, in your grace and your mercy, you have called us into your kingdom. Not by what we have done, not by our own goodness or our own efforts, but by your grace. Thank you, Lord. And Heavenly Father, as citizens of your kingdom, as disciples of yours, as your servants, Lord, we are called to take up our cross, not to do what 
uh, we think is best for our lives, but to follow you in obedience, taking up our cross, that we would follow wherever you lead us in this life, that we would uh, let go of those things in our lives that we think give us purpose and meaning, that we would let go of those things which really in the end are um, of very little value or of no value at all, that we would let go of, of all things, that you would truly be our Lord and that we would truly be your disciples, which means taking up a cross. So teach us what this means today. Give us your Holy Spirit. Help me, Heavenly Father, to preach today that people can hear and believe, not to my glory or honor, but to your glory and honor alone. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, no one wants a cross. If you really understand what happened upon that cross that Jesus died on, nobody wants that to happen to them. Peter didn't want the cross. I don't want a cross. But following Jesus demands that we take up our cross and follow him. What does it mean to take up our cross and follow Jesus? Well, it means that we follow him wherever he leads us. That we go where he tells us to go. That we do what he has called us to do in life. Even if it means that we suffer for the sake of Jesus. You see, following Jesus is not easy. Jesus never said it's going to be easy to be a disciple. It is not easy to follow him. And let me tell you this. Jesus will take you down roads you would never choose for yourself. How many of you would say, I have been down roads that I would never choose for myself? How many of you would say that today I'm on a road I would never choose for myself? And we know that he works all things together for good. And that he uses even the, the bumpy, the difficult, the hard, the impossible roads for his glory and for our maturity. So there are hard and painful roads. It's interesting, before Jesus, uh, before him, before the Lord, Peter confessed with boldness, you are Messiah, you are the Christ, you are the anointed, you are the King. You are the son of the living God. As Peter confessed Jesus as king, in Peter's mind, he envisioned earthly glory in a victor's kingdom. Peter had visions of Jesus' victory over Roman occupation. Peter had a vision of Jesus sitting on an earthly throne. Peter had visions of himself being right in the middle of a royal court. Peter had visions of wealth and of power. Peter had visions of comfort. When Peter confessed Jesus as king, what he envisioned was all wrong. Peter never envisioned Jesus' betrayal, his arrest, and crucifixion. Jesus never envisioned, or Peter never envisioned Jesus being sentenced under the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. 
Peter never envisioned Jesus nailed to a cross or buried in a tomb. Peter never envisioned his own life as a preacher. And Peter never envisioned his own death. You know how Peter died? Nailed to a cross upside down. Peter never envisioned these things. Peter's idea of Messiah was earthly glory, military victory over Rome, positions of influence. Well, we know now that Jesus' purpose was not earthly glory, but a cross. And through the cross, we do have victory. But our victory is not found in earthly luxury. Our victory is found in a cross, which leads us to eternal glory. So church, when you follow Jesus, he'll take you down roads you would never choose for yourself. See, the way of discipleship is the way of the cross. And just to be clear, you are a disciple of Jesus. As one who believes, as one who is baptized, you are a disciple. So what Jesus is talking about today is for you. It is for you to take up your cross. And to follow Jesus. You have been called under his lordship. You have been called to live under his reign. Jesus is your king. You do his bidding. You submit to his will. The prayer of a disciple is what? Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Think about it. That's a dangerous prayer. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. See, that's a prayer that brings your life into alignment with your king's purpose and plan. And the road of discipleship is not easy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Are you sure you want to pray that? You really mean it? It's the way of the cross. You see, the prosperity preacher will promise earthly glory. The prosperity preacher will tell you that if you follow Jesus in obedience, good things will come. You'll be healthy, wealthy, you'll attain worldly success. You'll fly on your own private jet. But that doesn't align with what Jesus says about discipleship. Nor does it align with the example of discipleship given to us in the New Testament. As we read about the lives of his disciples. Nor does it align with church history. As we look through the centuries at how people have suffered for the sake of the gospel. Let's just look at Peter's life. Along with the whole church, Peter 
in his ministry, after Jesus was crucified, after he rose again from the dead, after the Holy Spirit filled the church and Peter became a great preacher of the gospel, Peter continually took up his cross as a disciple of Jesus. Then in the end of his life, he literally took up his cross. You see, the Bible doesn't record Peter's death. But all records of early church history indicate that Peter was crucified. Eusebius cites the testimony of Clement, who says that before Peter was crucified, he was forced to watch the crucifixion of his own wife. As he watched her being led to her death, Clement says, Peter called to her by name, saying, Remember the Lord. When it was Peter's turn to die, he pleaded to be crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to die as his Lord had died. And thus he was nailed to a cross, head downward. You see, Jesus, if we follow him, he'll take us down a path, a road, a way of living that we would never choose for ourselves. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. A great reversal throughout the scriptures, a number of times. It's by losing our life that we find our life. It's by denying ourselves that we experience the joy and the peace that comes from the gospel. And he says, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? You can have wealth, possessions, prestige. You can gain all of these things, but if you forfeit your soul, what good is it? What good is it? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? only one exchange that purchased the freedom and the salvation of the human soul and that is the blood of Jesus shed upon the cross and for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels and went and then he will reward each person according to what they have done the day of judgment coming throughout church history up until today Christians have been suffering and dying for the sake of the gospel. And, and we ask the question, and historians look, especially at the early church, and the severe persecution that Christians suffered under the Romans, Christians being uh, tortured and tormented in Colosseums, fed to the lions for the entertainment of the population. They, they wonder, why did so many people convert? Why did the church grow so rapidly under such severe persecution? Why would anybody take up their cross and follow Jesus? Well, the gospel, in the power of the Holy Spirit, realigns our lives to focus on what is truly important. Through the gospel, the, the blinders are taken away and we truly see what is important, what is true, what matters in life. 
the gospel has a way of completely realigning our lives in accordance with what is truly important. And what's truly important isn't earthly, isn't earthly uh, success or wealth or attaining all of these things that the world says that we should attain. The gospel teaches us four things. Number one, the gospel teaches us that this world is temporary. This world is temporary. In James chapter 4, beginning with the 14th verse, James wrote, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. He says, what is your life? He says, you are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That's our life. It's like this mist that you see it, but then it's gone. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Your life is short. This world is temporary. Your life is temporary. So, so the encouragement is don't waste your life. So many people are wasting this very short life. How do I waste my life? I waste my life when I don't deny myself. It seems so counterintuitive. But Jesus says that life is found not by embracing what you want for yourself, but by embracing what Jesus wants for you. Not embracing what I want, but what Jesus wants. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. So Jesus says, let go. Let go. And we all understand this reality. That when we let go and when we let Jesus fulfill his plan, that's where life is found. The gospel really makes this, when you understand and when the gospel penetrates the heart, it's not a difficult thing. Whenever I let go of whatever it is I need to let go of and let Jesus take control, I find the reality of Matthew chapter 11 verses 28 and 30 at work in my life. And it isn't until I let go that I understand Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 and 30. He says, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. That yoke is what they put on an ox to lead the ox. In other words, let Jesus lead your life. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And he says, you will find rest, rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let go. Let go. What are you holding on to today? Let go. Let go. And find rest in him. Knowing that what you're holding on to is temporary. This world is temporary. 
Take the yoke of Christ upon yourself. Let him lead you. So number one, the gospel teaches us that this world is temporary. Number two, the true meaning is not found in things. Jesus says in Luke 12, 15, watch out. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. He says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And I fear that many Christians have fallen into the trap of finding meaning in materialism. Have you ever seen a funeral hearse towing a U-Haul trailer? You can't take it with you. Bank account isn't going to mean anything. Property isn't going to mean anything. I think most of us get this up here in our heads, but we don't get it down here in our hearts. We don't really understand that. We really think that, that there's something in the possessions. And we fail to believe that life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. We get our priorities all messed up. Let's repent. Repent of everything that causes us to seek out meaning and security that is not in Jesus. So number one is that the gospel teaches us that this world is temporary. Number two, the gospel teaches us that true meaning is not found in things. Number three, the gospel teaches us that life is fullest when following Jesus. John 10.10, I have come that they may have life and have it what? To the full. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So life is lived to its fullest when following Jesus. Notice that people are really empty. Maybe you've been there. I've been there. Find themselves in a very empty and depressed place when seeking after meaning in other things other than Jesus. Success, earthly wealth. Don't get me wrong, there are many good gifts from God in this world. Many good gifts. Enjoying a good meal. Enjoying the company of friends. A majestic sunset. Traveling and experiencing culture and art and nature. Man, reeling in a beautiful trout. Getting that prize buck. Cheering for your favorite football team. So many good things in this world. I'm not saying that we become the, like monks that cloister ourselves into, a, into a, a, a monastery. And we deny ourselves every form of pleasure. Oh no. All these are gifts from God. But as soon as you find your meaning in these things, there's an emptiness. You realize that these things cannot fulfill. You find that the food molds over. The wine sours. Dark clouds block the sun. Vacations go bad. How many of you have ever been on a vacation that just went south? 
Your team loses. The fish won't bite. The deer eat your veggies. So many good things, but none of those things are consistent. None of them are consistent. Jesus is a rock that you can build your life upon today. So many good things that you should go out today and enjoy. Go have a good time today. Enjoy today. Enjoy tomorrow. Just have fun. But know that those things that you're enjoying and having fun in are not what give life its true meaning. Christ, Jesus, is what gives life meaning. So number one, the gospel teaches us that this world is temporary. The gospel teaches us that true meaning is not found in things. The gospel teaches us that life is lived to the fullest when following Jesus. And then the gospel teaches us, number four, that eternal glory is promised to all believers. This world is temporary, but there is a new world coming, praise God. A new heaven, a new earth. Bad things will happen to us in this life, but there is something better on the way. John 16, he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. But he says, in this world you'll have trouble. I'm going to say, yeah, that's right. Jesus, you're right. In this world I have had trouble. But then Jesus says, but take heart. What does he say? I have overcome the world. Amen. Amen. Notice, who overcame the world? Jesus. You can't overcome this world. You can't. I know that we're, we're supposed to create a sense of self-esteem in this day and age. But I'm telling you today, you can't. And there's great freedom in admitting that you can't. You can't overcome this world. You can't overcome whatever challenge or difficulty or hardship that you are facing today. You can't. But Jesus overcame the world by his death and resurrection. You can't overcome sin. Uh, Try it. Do a little challenge. Go try for a week to live without sinning. Sinning in thought and word or in deed, <laughs> I won't last five minutes. You can't overcome sin, but Christ overcame sin on your behalf through his blood which was shed upon the cross. You can't overcome death. People try. But the only way people have had experienced victory over death is through Jesus. He has the power to resurrect the dead. He raised his own life from death. You can't overcome death. Trust in Jesus. In him you have life everlasting. And you cannot overcome the pain and brokenness of this world. Go to Barnes & Noble. Check out all the self-help books. All of the books that deal with all the different problems that people face. Nobody has ever been able to solve the problem of pain and brokenness in this world. Find freedom in these two words. I can't. I can't. 
and then find victory in the reality of what Jesus has accomplished for you. And we can easily slip into works righteousness. If I obey, then I'll earn forgiveness. If I'm a good enough Christian, then I'll earn everlasting life. If I'm a good enough Christian, then I'll be healthy, wealthy, and victorious. We can't. We can't. But Jesus has overcome the world. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Jesus did what you could never do. There's such a danger that if we slip into this performance-based Christianity, if I perform better as a Christian, then I'll get God on my side and, and I might make it into heaven. Oh no. We look to Christ alone. He is the one who overcame the world. He is the one who died to overcome sin and death. And now your crucified and risen Savior promises you his victory. Eternal victory. In heaven. And in a new earth. So today, in view of that future reality, we carry our cross. Because Jesus first carried his cross and by his victory we are free in him. To let go of whatever it is that we seek meaning and security in. And to live the life that Christ has for us to live. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that your word is truth. Help us, Lord. Help us as a congregation to take up our cross and to follow you. And may the world see you, knowing that some will mock, knowing that some will persecute us, but Lord, knowing that many hunger for the message of the cross. They have no understanding that that God took on flesh and Jesus and died to take away their sins, died to give them everlasting life, died to give them healing and peace in the midst of their brokenness. So many people don't know. But help us to allow this reality of what you've accomplished for us through the cross to sink into our lives in such a way that we would take up our cross and follow you, that the world might know you. So in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.